Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. We all have questions. Questions about life, business, relationships, eternity, and how often we've longed to ask God for the answers. Here's something you may not have thought of. Who answers God's questions? Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. Today, I'm beginning a whole new series, and it will be a different kind of series for The Leader's Notebook. These are going to be very brief, hard-hitting insights into places in the Scripture where God asks questions. In the past, I've done interviews with some of the great leaders of our generation. I've done teachings on business, leadership, faith. But these are just going to zero in on one thing each time, brief and straight to the point, questions that God asks in the Bible. It may surprise you that there are actually many places in the Bible where God asks people questions. Now, why would he do that? Certainly, it's not because he needs to know the answer. He is often asking questions because he wants the person of whom he asked the question to be thoughtful or introspective about what the answer is. Sometimes, he just wants to confront the person. Sometimes, and I do think as I read through Scripture that this is possible, God is asking rhetorical questions. The answer is obvious. The answer is clear. He doesn't even want the person to answer. He just is asking the question as a statement in itself. The question itself becomes a statement and an important statement. In the next few weeks, or however long it takes, here on the Leader's Notebook, we're going to be exploring some of the questions of God. And I hope you find this useful. The first one today we're going to deal with happens early in the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 3. I want to read a few verses from that chapter as we begin so we have the scripture before us. You're familiar with the story, but here it is. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent that is, said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not die, for God doth know that in the day you eat, your eyes shall be opened. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. 
And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? That's where we'll end with the scripture for today. This is the first time that God asks Adam where he is. It's certainly not because God doesn't know where Adam is. He knows where we are every minute, every second. God is fully informed of our presence. He's not wondering where we are. It's not some kind of game of supernatural hide-and-seek. He asks the question in order to point out to Adam, to bring to Adam's mind the desperate results of sin. The first and the most horrible of those results is the sense of and the reality of separation. Where are you, God asks. You used to be right next to me. You used to run into my arms when you knew I was in the garden. When you sensed my presence, you drew near to me without any moments of hesitation. I used to know where you were all the time. And now you're hiding. So the question is not a question born of ignorance. Obviously, God knows everything. God forbid we should ascribe to God Almighty any sort of ignorance. The question is, therefore, provocative. Adam, you're not here with me. You're no longer intimate with me. You're hiding from me. Where are you? Sin separates us from God. It sends us into an emotional, spiritual, and sometimes even physical sense of hiding from God. That's the loneliness that comes with sin. We can't pray. We can't enjoy the presence of God. We feel filled with guilt and condemnation and fear and separation from God. We actually, even knowing that we are separated, we try to separate ourselves further. We hide from God. That's the reason that people quit going to church because they sense God's presence there and they want to hide. They hide in the the bushes of their own lives. They avoid certain books where they're likely to see things about God. They turn their eyes away from scriptures. They won't look at the Bible. They're hiding from God. If something about scripture pops up on their internet, they they immediately click forward because they don't want to be confronted with the presence of God. What Adam and Eve hid from is the presence, the divine presence God is longing to be with us. He longs for that intimate fellowship, for that fellowship that was Adam's and Eve's in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve walked together and talked together with God in the cool of the evening. That's what God wants. It's what he still wants for us. He knows that it's a blessing to us to be in intimate relationship with him. But what we forget is that it is a blessing to God to be in intimate relationship with us. Sin causes that to end. Sin causes us to draw back from that. We go into a kind of spiritual seclusion, separating ourselves from God because our sin has already separated us from God. So when God says to Adam, where art thou? He is actually using the question to point out the answer hiding, separated from me. That's the answer. 
Then the story goes on just a little bit further, and we discover God's second question. Now here, back to the scripture. And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, verse 10. And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And God said, who told thee that thou was naked? When we first meet Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it's one of the most wonderful, powerful verses of Scripture, and one of the best-known people turn it into a joke, or they laugh about it, or they make stupid cartoons of Adam and Eve. But the fact of the matter is, it is a beautiful passage of Scripture, and not to be trivialized in some immature way. And the man and the woman were naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, shame in that passage of Scripture doesn't just mean embarrassed. Some modern translations actually translate the passage embarrassed, and they were not embarrassed. Embarrassment is what you feel when you drop your spaghetti in your lap at a dinner party. That's not shame. Shame is a deep inner wound, a sense of yourself as a wounded, shameful creature. It is a deep wound. Adam and Eve have never had that before. They've never known a moment of shame. They were naked in each other's presence, naked before God, and there was no shame. They were not separated from God even by clothing. They've never tried to cover themselves because they were covered with His righteousness. They never tried to hide because hiding from God was the worst thing they could possibly think of doing. They wanted to be intimate with Him. They weren't afraid of exposure because nakedness to them was not a shameful thing. Now, all of a sudden, they're separated from God, hiding from Him deliberately and trying to cover themselves with leaves as if God couldn't see through anything. All the ways in which we try to cover our own sin, we simply wind up making ourselves more ashamed. Now. As we encounter Adam and Eve at this moment, they're dealing with shame. Who told thee that thou wast naked? God asks. Suddenly, their self-awareness of themselves as naked, exposed, shameful creatures is overwhelming them. Sin has many devastating effects. It ruins relationships. It separates us from each other and from God. It sends us into emotional, mental, and spiritual hiding loneliness, fear, all of these are the results of sin. Worst of all, however, it makes us ashamed. Now, what is God's answer to that? God's answer to all that is that He wants us to have fellowship with Him. He wants us to walk with Him and talk with Him in the cool of the evening, just as Adam did. And He provides that fellowship through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the doorway into God's presence. He said to his disciples, I go now ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, will I not come again and get you that you can come and be with me where I am? You may be also with me, Jesus says. In his presence, in the presence of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in his presence, God's desire is that we be in the circle of that fellowship with Him. 
that we would have no separation from God, never hiding from Him, never trying to cover our own shame, because we can't. Second, God wants to free us from the sense of fear. God's presence over sin wants to set us free from shame and fear. God wants to free us from the sense of fear, not not the wholesome, the fear of God, as we say, a God-fearing person, but that dreadful, dark fear of God. Sin makes us afraid deep within. We may deny it. We may turn away from it. But the fact of the matter is that deep within, when we sin, we are afraid. We're afraid of the consequences. It's not the healthy kind of fear, but an unwholesome fear. This is the paranoid terror of the judgment of God. But the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. When we live in the perfect love of God, when He loves us perfectly, we receive that perfect love. We walk in that perfect love. All our fears are cast out. We don't find ourselves hiding in the bushes away from God. God wants us to be free of shame and loneliness and fear. All that was ours through sin is wiped away, and all that is ours through the work of Jesus Christ becomes ours through grace. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. If you're hiding in the bushes, covered with leaves, trying to hide from the eyes of God, afraid, separated, lonely, and ashamed, God says, come to me and have fellowship with me through my son, Jesus Christ. Let my perfect love cast out all your fear. Come, my child, there's no need to hide anymore. Furthermore, there's no reason to be ashamed because I've taken your shame and fastened it on Jesus. He has borne your shame, your death, your curse, so that you may know there is no condemnation, that you are free of fear and free of shame. God is saying that to you right now. Here's God's question to you. Where are you? If your answer is anything except right here, Lord, right next to you, open to you, surrendered to you, and yielded to you, then right now, ask God through our Lord Jesus Christ to give you that fellowship. Say it right now, Lord, I want fellowship with you through Jesus. From now on, I don't ever want you to ask, where are you? Because you'll know, I'm right here with you, Lord. Until we meet again, this has been The Leader's Notebook. And I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.